listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 27 of Sentimental. Now this I can do. I can't compete with you physically, and you're no match for my brain. I don't give a crap if you covered yourself in peanut butter and had a 15-hooker gangbang. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Our guest tonight is one of the world's leading experts in story and narrative design. He works with IP holders to maximize the effectiveness of their brand narratives, develop vast new worlds, and design successful transmedia franchises. As well as working on such properties as Avatar, Pirates of the Caribbean, Halo, and Spider-Man, he has also written and or produced hit comic books, video games, and animated series, global ad campaigns, and immersive experiences for the likes of Magic the Gathering, Nintendo, Mattel, Coca-Cola, and Disney. And by day, he's the CEO of Starlight Runner, Jeff Gomez. Welcome again to Cinemental. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We had a little bit of a false start. We're at it again. It's wonderful. Uh, to be here. We, we, in the business, we like to refer to that as technical difficulties <laughs> <laughs> or operator error, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you are technically difficult. That's very true. And on that note, uh, and again, to keep Jeff, you know, even longer because, of course, we are doing everything twice tonight. Uh, let's jump right into news that gives us fits. No! 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 Uh, Latham, what do you got? Well, um, I've got a good one and a bad one. So, let's, go ba- let's go bad first. Okay, bad. So we end, so we end on a good I, note with you. I'm, I'm not even going to reference <laughs> the intellectual property here. I'm just going to make a point that has given me fits for about a week. Okay. Mm. So I'm not Read even going to reference it because we, we've, we, we don't want massive controversy, but, um, <laughs> or maybe we do, I don't know, but, um, my point that I'd like to make is that I find it very difficult for anyone to have a problem with any film that is fiction. And when I say that, I mean, if you direct a fictional film and ever all parties involved are on board legally and not under duress, and you film your story, it doesn't matter what your story's about. It doesn't matter what context it's in. You are entitled to make your film. And if people don't like it or don't like its message or whatever, that's perfectly fine. But to insinuate something else can happen to filmmakers that make a fictional movie because of whatever subject or story they've written, I think is not only preposterous, but disgusting. And I I am not gonna reference what I'm talking about because like I said, people will either know what I'm talking about right away or they'll look it up 
you you can't you can't get people in trouble for following the rules and making a fictional movie. Does that make any sense? Uh, but no, but that's I wanna, uh, yeah, that, I want to say that, no. <laughs> that's very, that's very puzzling. I'm I'm curious because. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything I've I've seen online or any story I've seen in the past couple of weeks that this would fit into. I could I could go a little further without referencing the film. Because, okay. Uh, there is a film that's on Netflix that's causing uh, people. Oh, never mind. I know what it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's causing people to cancel their Netflix subscription because they're ignorant. That's to up to the them. Different... Oh yeah, it's a, absolutely. But. But people are also calling for these filmmakers to be prosecuted for crimes for making a fictional movie where all involved were fully aware of what was being done. And that, that to me, is the, bo- the bottom of stupidity, at the absolute bottom. So I will, I will say this in reference to your story. Uh, a, a very well-known film pundit uh, whose newsletter I get wrote an article about this that dropped into my email box. Cause this is the story that I've only read bits and pieces about. Um, I haven't been following it really closely. I haven't, I didn't realize until actually his article that the level of, of sort of hatred that has been, been leveled at this production. Vitriol, yep. His, the point he made was so concrete. He compared this directly to, all of the negative hype that surrounded the last temptation of Christ and the release of that film, where basically everyone was heaping to sell, you know, running out there and protesting the film and, and telling everyone not to go see it. And, you know, I, I listen, I saw it in a theater in Chicago and there were protests going on outside when we left. Yep. Yes. And he said, this is exactly the same thing. This is, this is a bunch of media people getting onto a bandwagon 99% of which have not seen the film. Correct. They don't know what they're talking about. And his his point was more pointed directly to the idea that, like you said, the filmmaker themselves was being targeted, and he felt that that was the, the biggest injustice of the entire thing. Oh, was absolutely. The, was, was the fact that this this person was being targeted for that all this. they should be arrested for uh, making of, this Of course, movie. of course. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And the last thing I'll say is, uh, nah, I'm not going to say it. And I, will, say it. and I will edit out this bit, but just so Hassan and Jeff know what we're talking about, if you don't, we're talking about, okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Len. Yeah, I figured. All right. But I, I just, basically, if you're in an online discussion and you try and defend this no. and explain the logic behind it. You're wasting your time. Well, you're not only wasting your time, but the uninformed and the uneducated come to the conclusion that you yourself are a child molester right. because you're defending this movie. Correct. And it makes you just want to never go on the internet again. <laughs> it, it's, it's sickening. It's sickening how people, how anyone can get on the internet, no matter how uninformed they are. And this, this really has given me the most fits of any bit yeah that we've ever had it's just utterly it's, it's pretty it's pretty awful listen there's no question that botched the media rollout and the media Absolutely. thing correct. for the, for the film there's no correct. question about that no one will argue that point correct but Absolutely. you're 100 correct about the actual content thereof 
that, you know, about and what, what went on with the filmmaking and everything else, you know, could you imagine if the movie kids came out right now? Oh my God. Yeah. That's a great comparison or, or yeah. Or, or remember Gum, that? Or yeah. Gummo. You remember that? Uh, oh, Gummo, his other oh. movie. I mean, Jesus just... Christ, that guy would be hunted down and literally killed in the street. What about the movie 13 with Evan Rachel Wood? I mean, yep. that's pretty, that gets graphic at times. And, yep. and those are 13. The whole point is they're 13 year olds. That's the whole yeah. point. Uh, yep. You know, just anything. I mean, any movie that's got a graphic scene of someone being violently killed or raped or whatever. Oh. I mean, where do you draw the line? If it's fiction and no one really got hurt, what what are you complaining about? Well, what yeah, but I mean, then if it got no reaction at all, would it be effective? I mean... Oh, well, no, I, I, I don't mind people disliking it. That that's that's absolutely fine calling for the arrest of the filmmaker and death threats right. is off yes. the table and you're done uh, i i i understand what you're saying i i don't think i don't think anybody should be arrested or anything like that but i'm saying just i mean those fringe people are out there for anything you know they're uh, yes they're upset about everything you know well, no, and i mean like i said if they but there's plenty of movies they're upset about they, no one called for Martin Scorsese to be killed or... Yeah, but I mean... Right, but guys, we are we are in a hyper-polarized time where, yeah. where uh, this narrative plays into QAnon and um, uh, <laughs> this, this notion that Hollywood is flooded with, uh, with corrupt people. They, uh, most of the people don't know that this movie was made in... Yeah, um, right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they think it's some Hollywood conspiracy and, and, and so forth. And um, uh, it's just playing into a fire that's that's burning. Uh, uh, Correct. At, at my company at Starlight Runner, we call it the new Victoria. <laughs> because we are, um, uh, we, we've re-entered Victorian times and, and we have to be quiet wow. and careful and can't say certain things. Um, and we are all really, really stressed about it. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine, like, artistically, uh, absolutely, there is, like, something to be learned about feeling the need to weigh in on anything, you know, from, from your sofa, you know? Maybe you just shouldn't, you know? It's like... Well, especially with so many people on their sofas, that's the problem. Well, yeah, I mean, people have nothing but time, but it's just... It, I just can't imagine why, say... I would want to hear Madonna's opinion on, you know, the catcher in the rye, you know, like if she just decided to tweet one day, it's like, okay, what, of what nutritional value is that, you know, yeah. culturally. And so like these people are, people are getting, people are getting crucified left and right for kind of weighing in on stuff on topics that they don't really need to be talking about, you know? We don't need to know how certain people feel about certain other things, you know, especially in this, in, in a volatile, and I get in trouble for this because I've said this once before and then I get yelled at by a bunch of people who say, well, we want, we need to know exactly where these people's heads are at. So we know whether the, to, to throw our money at them or not. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if you really think that because this person tweeted something, you actually know where their true head lies, you're, Correct. you know, so it, it's, it's it's nonsense. It's empty calories, you know, and I I think it's an addiction that we can't. Well, some of us that that we can't really fight because everybody just oh let me let me get my thumbs moving, you know, it's like so you know, so that I could 
I could have some impact on this discussion and you're, and you don't, you know, I get, I get people liking comments I've made on Facebook from 10 years ago, you know, as if, if it's, um, if, if what you've written 10 years ago is that prominent in ether, someone is just coming along that now, then you do have to be careful about what you put into that machine. You know, like these, I mean, look at, look at James Gunn. Like what happened to him is not right. But if you know, if you live in a world where you know things like that happen, I, I, well, I we, do think that you have to adjust. It, it took some of us time to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we were all joking around until somebody got hurt. Right. right? You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Um, right. Uh, and, and we've all become broadcasters, every single one of us. Um, uh, so now we have this ocean of pervasive communication and um, and it's it's hard to navigate. Uh, what I think you're calling for, Hassan, is literacy. Um, uh, it, yeah. If we know how to write, if we know how to communicate and express ourselves in cogent ways, we are less likely to uh, uh, foment chaos. Um, uh, yeah, but, you know, we hope we we Americans complained uh, that uh, that all these people in another country instantly and immediately say death to America uh, in response to whatever it is we're doing. It seems to me that everybody seems to say death to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, on their social yeah, media, no different. Uh, you should be arrested. You should die. You know, all, all yeah. that, that sort of thing. It is just the, the first instinct and there is less and less friction between what is in our minds and what shows up on our feeds. Um, right. We we need to become a little more literate, and that starts with education. Oh, I love it! Well, love it. Yeah. Latham, what's your what's your good point? Uh, my good thing was, and pretty much thanks to Steve, and uh, just uh, following through on my long list of things to watch. I I really hate missing pop culture moments, but man, haunting a Hill House is. I mean, that show is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliantly made, brilliantly acted, plotted. Oh, I mean, we're not even done with it yet, and I'm in love with it. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm I just, super happy to hear that. I just adore the way that story is told. And uh, you were right that we finished that sixth episode last night with the two tracking shots, and they're just insane, yeah, absolutely insane. Yeah, and everything everything was set up. I uh, He did a great series of tweets when the episodes uh, had all aired, about a month after they had all aired, and we were kind of past the spoiler embargo. He didn't do anything to the story, but he, yeah. was, ta- he was talking about on a, on a Twitter Q&A about making that episode and how he basically did it in three 19-minute tracking shots. Yeah, I watched the, the, watched the little mini doc on it. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really, really, really amazing. And I mean, I, as I said you know, before you watch that, that's it was one of my favorite things the last year. And I, I'm really looking forward to October for the new one. So, oh, yeah, me too. Now, me too. Uh, I will say another. And before I get to your points, it's on the other thing that, that gave me my one bright spot of hope this week is that we were all treated to a dick pic from Captain America and nobody branded him a pedophile. So, you know, <laughs> so that that was my that was my piece of good uh, good news this week. Yeah. <laughs> I think if your character is 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 on point, you the the mob you might will you might get a benefit. Yeah, of they yeah you, they might protect you. Um, <laughs> what else? There's it, it, nothing you can guarantee. <laughs> that is a great point, though. That if you got a good guy making a mistake, 
it's a lot Maybe. easier to to play it, off. Than, it's nice to see the people still see it. For a lot what of it puppies. Is. A lot of puppies. That, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I, I did find that was so strange how people were like suddenly filling the the tweet feeds with pictures of him with puppies. You know, to, to, to keep the, the the frequency out. I thought that was very interesting. Like not only not only did they not go after him. But they rushed to protect. Yeah, him. they they built <laughs> they a wall run. around him. They have a human wall, a wall, of, no, a puppy wall. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, son? The only thing that's giving me fists is well, actually, ironically, we did discuss this. It's the reneging of the streaming services on, on their on their promise of of being able to binge all this stuff. I'm sick of this week to week stuff. I think it's a, I think it's a scam. I think it's a bait and switch. I honestly think it's a bait and switch. You told us to cut the cable. You told us this was a better, you know, but it's really just the same old thing. And now we're paying more technically for most of the stuff than we were paying when we just had cable. And so now we're paying more. We're getting less because seasons are becoming less and less. They're, they're less than 13. Now they're less than 10. Now they're eight. Now sometimes they're seven, you know, and it's taken them two years to produce a season of a show where it used to take a year to, to produce 26 episodes on, on standard network television. And uh, now, you know, the streaming services are, are, are like, well, we want your continued uh, uh, interaction with our platform on, on a week-to-week basis. So we're just going to farm this out to you, you know, and you're just going to have to keep coming back and you're just going to have to, you know, be diligent. And I, look, I understand it. I get it. And there are some shows that are better week-to-week as opposed to binging them. There are some shows that have a better impact. But I... I like the idea of myself being able to make that choice, I, not you I, making it for me. And then, I, you know, the boys, they're, they're getting backlash now. Well, some of it. They got a lot of backlash for the boys for, because of the original formula was uh, releasing all eight episodes um, are last spoiled, year. Man. They're spoiled. I mean, no one would even consider this in 19... 19- 95 or 2002 or 2000 they're spoiled because they would because they spoiled us you know like it, they, yeah. they spoiled us to get us to pay for their for their for their digs and then now that we've bought in they're like um you know now i'm gonna parse it out to you because i i insist on your continued uh, attention you know and that's i think it's bs and that's that's pissing me off and also the boys is bad is a bad format for not the not the show in and of itself so much though I have my issues with that show, but that's a bad that it's it's very bad for week to week streaming because in my opinion they're not coming up with compelling enough circumstances to keep me coming back week after week. Um, but that's my opinion alone. Um, uh, guys, I I work with. Uh, some of these companies, oh, these sure, okay, companies. So I get straighten to ask, us out. I get to ask <laughs> the questions. <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so uh, it, one of the big answers, um, which was, um, which they say was um, uh, definitively proven uh, by the Mandalorian, uh, is Zeitgeist. Uh, the the fact that the uh, if they parse out the episodes, the conversation of, about the content um, uh, lasts longer, especially if there are uh, remarkable things happening in in these episodes. Like yep. you could bet that in in Amazon's mind, uh, those money shots in the various episodes of the second season, where Amazon actually allowed them to go further 
than they they did last season in terms of violence and and grotesqueries and and things like that 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 would seep out into the zeitgeist week upon week and and get more people to want right. to come and see the the show uh, it, obviously baby yoda was you know uh, this phenomena that um uh, that that got these these companies to start thinking this way um uh, so that's their their essentially their reasoning is that if they dump everything you'll you'll hear about stranger things for a, a week uh after it it comes out and then it quiets down super fast uh, as opposed to parsing out stranger yeah. things over a couple of months in which case we're still yakking about uh 11 sure. you know in october uh, I, I can i can certainly understand it uh i mean i and yes i mean i think i think my problem with using the mandalorian as a measuring stick for anything is that i don't think you can you can compare almost any other ip out there to star wars so anything star wars is always a bad thing to measure against simply because there's this there's this existing fandom that is so far and away larger than any other fandom out there that it skews all the numbers. And while I don't disagree with the logic behind that, I a hundred percent agree with you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you put out eight episodes over the span of eight weeks, people are going to talk about it for nine at a minimum. But uh, Steve, Steve, here's a tiny bit more insight. When, uh, when uh, Netflix or the uh, uh, producers, or production companies behind children's uh, animation and, and children's TV mm -hmm. uh, 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 roll that stuff out, um, and they they dump it all at once. The kid gobbles it up and uh, and moves on to something else. And uh, and what happens is your licensing and merchandising don't sell because the the, the child does not build a relationship. Good points. Uh, characters and does yep. not fall in love with that universe, so it's over. And um, and again, this is a, a part of the lines of reasoning, particularly for uh, shows that have this kind of uh, uh, licensing and merchandising extension for right. them to to do those sorts of things. No, that that makes it that makes a, a ton of sense. That it that you have to get in order to maximize another part of the process of making money from an IP, you have to have them working together to do it. I, I, I absolutely get that concept. Yeah. It's, that's tough. It's a tough, I mean, I mean, in a case of something like, you know, I mean, use stranger things as a model. I mean, stranger things fell, fell into our laps out of nowhere and blew up to this gigantic thing. So the anticipation for the second season, of course, was massive. You know, so they were, you know, if you remember back that first that first year out of the box, they there was nothing. There was nothing available. There wasn't there wasn't books. There wasn't toys. There wasn't anything. It wasn't until after it was already out and the second season had really landed that all that stuff, you started to see the product come out. And I and I think you're you know, you're 100 percent correct. If you know, if they had known, I mean, if they had even had an inkling ahead of time. You know, that's something that they would have jumped on to. But for them at the time, it was just creating content. I'm actually surprised that they've been so slow to figure this out, <laughs> being a transmedia guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, fair enough. Hassan, by the I, way, I, 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 I'm still I, annoyed. <laughs> I, I, I'm annoyed, too. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I want that decision.
you know, um, right. I want all my boys, you know, there are business decisions behind me. I, you know, when I, I, I 100% understood it to be, you know, I, I, I mean, even, even from a completely layman's uh, perspective, it is just, like I said, it was just keeping the interaction going week after week. I mean, it was just, it, I think, I think with the boys, especially that's the half measure of it. Like, oh, we're going to release three episodes and then we're going to make you wait for the next four, you know, or the, excuse me, the next, uh, the next five. And, um, and then and we're th- going to, that, that's pick a lane, pick a lane and stay. With yeah. It. Don't, you know, don't, and, don't give me, don't give me three hours and then make me wait week to week for the next five. That seems and weird. Because and and the and the, like and the problem dog. is, right? The problem is because of the way these these shows are made, they're not really made. They're not good episodes. You know, they don't make very good episodes. You watch an episode of Star Trek, the original series. That's an hour worth of content with three acts, three to five act structure. That. Which will which will take you from the beginning to the middle to the end, and then it it'll have a resolution. I am not uh, I'm not championing uh, uh, doing episodic television, or whatever. I I do like uh, through line narrative television, but if you watch a show like I don't know, uh, pick one, um, uh, Jessica Jones, those weren't full episodes. A lot of that was filler. You know, while you're wait, she's not de- she's not doing a, a lot of detective work. She's not doing a lot of research. She's just kind of chasing this guy because you wanted to, to stretch it thirteen hours. She starts to look like an idiot halfway through because she's not catching David Tennant, who's wearing purple, who's very obviously doing damage <laughs> every episode because you're because you're thinking more like a format instead of the content right. that you're that you're putting out. Right. So like I'm saying about the boys, these now you're going to make me wait week after week for mediocre episodes. And I'm not talking about like yeah. bad stories, bad writing. I'm talking about the the little piece of content that you're that you are giving me is not a, is it's an incomplete it, uh, it's an incomplete model. It's, right. you know, yeah. it's, it's not. So I'm watching something and just when I'm starting to get to a level of engagement, they start showing me the previews for next week because they don't, people modern, these modern people don't seem to know how to tell a story in short form. You know, even right. if you tell a story with a, with a, with a cliffhanger, you, it's still a full story. You know, you still, you yeah. still have to have, you know, I, I promise you they were not uh, informed uh, about yeah. uh, any of this. Uh, they were told to do whatever it is that they felt like doing. And they wanted to make, uh, you know, an eight hour movie. Um, and, and, right. that's, and that's what we got. And we're watching it piecemeal, which you're right, is not the optimal way to, to enjoy uh, the, the show. When when it's when it's done in that format, it's not satisfying. When it's you, you're absolutely right. If you get a show like I don't know, like The Expanse or something like that, you know, if they if they had parsed that out week to week, those would be those are full episodes. There's a there's a a, a series of things. There's a, you know there's ebbs and flows and you know peaks and valleys, rises and falls, and action and, and drama per episode. So you could be satisfied. And that used to be a weekly yeah, a show, sci-fi channel, right. sci-fi channel. Right. So I mean, they knew how to they knew how to do the content. People right. still know how to do it, but 
you know, these things where the, you know, the, the executive in the, in the booth up way, you know, way up in the, in the, in the top seats of the, of whatever corporation decides, ah, we're just going to do it weekly because this will give us X demographic Y for, you know, however long. And then the, the, the episodes are coming out and these are just these very flaccid pieces of, uh, of entertainment. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, and it's That's great. It's great. You know, and it, I mean, also like, <laughs> yeah, entertainment I was, yeah, actually, no, no, no. Latham just saved me. Cause I was about to go on a tangent about the boys in, in general. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and I, I realized myself. So, okay. But anyway, but that's, that's my fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I get it. And I, and I get the businesses of business is business. I understand that, you know, I'm not trying to be, uh, uh, a dilettante about it, but um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to be obtuse about it. I was just saying, it's if you're going to do it like that, like you said, uh, uh, Steve, like you know, pick a lane, you know, figure it out. If you're gonna if you're gonna make content, and I and I like you said, Jeff, they didn't know, so uh, you know the the hands, the both hands not washing each other. I guess I don't know. Hassan, how many episodes are the, of the Mandalorian are there going to be? This uh, probably eight, I think eight. eight. Okay, this is how you stick it to the man. Okay, you <laughs> wait on Disney Plus until the fifth episode of Mandalorian is released. You sign up, you catch up, and then you're only in for a month on Disney Plus to finish the season of the Mandalorian. And then you, and then you bail. <laughs> and then you bail. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot I don't of people have did Disney that. Plus right now, okay? I'm not getting it until we start watching the Mandalorian. So. <laughs> Disney yeah, I got Disney. issues with. I, I sadly have issues with the Mandalorian as well. Well, so. me too. Me too. I mean, yeah. it's uh, you know, without Baby Yoda, what do you got there? You know what I'm saying? I mean, Mandalorian uh, is very much, uh, very much uh, Brian Singer's first X Men movie. You know, it's like ah, you didn't even think this was possible, so I don't really have to go too far <laughs> to to entertain you because uh, the 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 mere fact that this exists is is reason enough. <laughs> it justifies itself enough, and uh, that's a uh, that's exists in the universe in the, yeah. in the most popular pop culture universe there is. So, but I do have faith in in, in John Favreau, and I and I do uh, I do know that Filoni is helping him, you know, you know significantly. So. so so, okay, and they and they both they both said that they're you know it's going to get much more uh, cohesive uh, this this uh, this year. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm not against it. You know, okay. I just I, want uh, you to stick it to the man because that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll call Dolce yet, and then we'll tell the him what is Disney. The man <laughs> yeah. is Disney. Uh, Disney. Disney's not the man. Disney is the emperor. It's the evil empire. Oh, Palpatine. <laughs> yes. All right. Palpatine's behind all of it. All right. Well, Palpatine's always right. behind all of it. Jeff, after after listening to this uh, this avalanche of 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 whatever that just was uh do you have uh, have anything that's bugging you this week <laughs> um uh, i i do it's it's a, again a tiny bit inside baseball but it is pissing me the hell off um uh, <laughs> starlight runner uh, looks at um at screenplays uh, content that comes from hollywood sure we review it sometimes we consult on it sometimes we're helping uh, colleagues uh, with material and, and, and so forth. And um, uh, most recently, uh, in the past uh, six or seven months, there's been a flood of animation uh, 
uh, a particularly feature animation because that stuff can be made uh, remotely. Uh, and, and so they're trying to get a lot of, all, all the studios are trying to, uh, to get a lot of animation greenlit, uh, most of which are for you know, young people or family audiences. I, I have just uh, read uh, three uh, feature length uh, screenplays for, for, quote, all audiences, a four quadrant, as, as they say. Yeah. And all three of them uh, had a, a moral to the story, which was be yourself, be yourself, and, and you'll, you'll make it through this problem. If you only be yourself um, uh, and figure out how to become yourself, everything will be all right. I'm just shocked that this material is getting this far. These guys who are writing this stuff, they're being paid a lot of money. Um, uh, so, and two out of the three of them, uh, there is a third act turn where the character suddenly figures out, I just have to be myself. In, in other words, um, uh, the, the transformation in the third act uh, literally solves the problem. In this time that we are all experiencing, where the act of being ourselves or expressing ourselves uh, can be extremely problematic, sometimes <laughs> I might say yeah. dangerous or even deadly to be oh, ourselves. Yeah. Here you have uh, um, uh, these, these life lessons <laughs> that, that are being dumped in our laps where, where there is not even a nav system, there, there is no uh, wisdom organization uh, to, the, um, uh, uh, to, to the path. Okay, if I am myself, uh, how do I live? <laughs> what do yeah. I do? How does that solve the problem? Right. In, in the right. face of this adversity, uh, um, you know, um, uh, to know me is not to love me. <laughs> you see now that's a now that's a great story you have a guy who's just super unlikable <laughs> no a guy, yeah. a guy with dark skin dude a guy with dark skin how, how does that person survive how does that person navigate i'd like to know the answer quite frankly and and these um uh, uh these screenplays are in no way uh, uh furnishing uh, that and and that's a disservice, I think, to kids and yeah. families. The the unfortunate part of the the guy who made this joke is is the unfortunate part of the this anecdote. But um, but it's kind of in the same vein of the Bill Cosby joke about drugs, and they and the, he said the drugs enhance your personality. That's why people use them. And he said, well, okay, but what if you're an asshole? Right. In in other words, like right. it's it, it, it's the drugs enhance my personality is just lip service. You know, right. it's it's supposed to be a spin to as a positive reason as to why I do this thing that that is, you know, uh, uh, socially unacceptable or whatever. Hey, and, any, anyone who's ever worked in the bar business, OK, understands that one guy can go out and get drunk and he's the sweetest guy in the universe. And the guy sitting next to him who normally the guy, you know, to be the sweetest guy in the universe can have one beer and turn into the biggest asshole this side of the sun, you know? <laughs> but yeah. So, so in other words, totally being true. yourself is not always, that's not a solution to anything, you know, yeah. use, using your brain, um, 
decipher re, reading the room is is better is, is a better uh moral <laughs> you know learn where you are figure out what you're doing and figure out how to best get the hell out of there as opposed to as if i'm just gonna be myself Listen, that's how i'll solve this problem it is just a service you know it's it's something that it's it's you look at the you know there's people who don't really uh, look too deeply be below the surface watch things like songs of the south or something like that from the old days and go oh well, obviously the message here is you know is be excellent to everybody you know? <laughs> well and, no that's bill and ted <laughs> yeah, i know I'm, i don't know i'm making a i'm making a point so so <laughs> clearly there's no instruction in most of these things even how to be yourself a lot of for a lot of people, being yourself is a lifelong journey. You know, it's not like oh, <laughs> all I got to do is just be me and ride my bike, and I've solved this particular problem. It doesn't work that way. It's not. It's 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 empty calories. It's uninformative, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, it does suck. Good That's film. why Michael <laughs> is smarter than everybody else because he just blows things up. There's Good no more film or great <laughs> film is instructive. It uh, does contain the subtext of that path. Right, uh, does have uh, specific ideas uh, about uh, what transformation is and, and, and how one reconciles who they are with the world. Um, and, um, and unfortunately, and I think Hassan might get this reference, uh, we've arrived at the image uh, comic of, of movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything is really slick and pretty and not... Uh... And and just well look at look at Jurassic World. That's the one of the most gorgeous movies I've ever seen. And I don't remember a solid ten minutes of it. You know? I remember the really? kids in a ball. There was this kids in a yeah, that was the first one, right? They, yeah. they were in this little <laughs> scooter and a and a Tyrannosaurus Rex kicked them off a cliff or something like that. That's a, that's as far as my memory goes. I feel that way about Fallen Kingdom more than I do about Jurassic world. I, I still remember Jurassic world solidly. And I'm now I've seen it a few times, but fallen Fair kingdom. I've, I, I, you know, I didn't see that long ago and there's not a whole lot that stuck. Which with one is it. fallen kingdom. I don't the even know. That. The, That's the, the most one. Oh, oh, see, I didn't even know the title of it. You know, it's the, it's yeah. the one where the dinosaurs come to the, you know, where they get the, the, yeah. the States. No, I remember it now. And one yeah. of the, one of the dinosaurs is inexplicably smart and can hide around walls. Oh, and, you know. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and how the, how the house can inexplicably floor structure can actually hold up a, a, a 40 ton animal walking through it on, on two feet. Yeah. I, I heard of 40 ton animals. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm uh, a little yeah. curious about that myself. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so uh, anywho, from there, we move on to Jeff's guilty pleasure. Uh-oh. Now, Mr. Gomez, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just jump in for a second. <laughs> what the hell was that? What the, <laughs> the hell was Basket Case? Basket Case is Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is going to be interesting. Okay. I'm listening. <laughs> so, so. So let me finish my intro. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, do this. <laughs> the basket case. What is the secret Dwayne is hiding in the basket? What's in the basket? Easter eggs? What's in the basket? Clothes. What's in the basket? Nothing. 
what's in the basket? My brother. What's in the basket? Open it, if you dare. Basket case. From 1982, directed by Frank Hennenlotter, run a running time of 91 minutes. A young man visits New York City for the first time to find the doctors that separate his conjoined twin from him when he was young. He frequently carries with him a large basket. Just don't ask to see what's inside. <laughs> All right, Jeff. <laughs> that wasn't much of a lead up either. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, Helena, Helena Bonham Carter, Carter had someone's abortion. That's how this movie came up. <laughs> oh, boy. No, 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 no. Oof. In terms of my my history, Basket Case came along at uh, at just the right time because I had just uh, started dating uh, Chrisula, who Hassan knows, uh, who also yes. worked with us at uh, at Acclaim. Um, and uh, Chrisula was kind of a punk rocker uh, uh, at the time and um, uh, would take me to see things like the Rocky Horror Picture Show and whatever was playing at midnight at the Waverly liquid sky and and uh, these, these strange uh, movies the forbidden zone and, uh, and there was basket case what really kind of caught me about uh, about the film is that it was shot entirely between chelsea and and times square not entirely but yeah. most of yeah. the action and this is the early 1980s when it was basically the most scuzzy uh, dark, filthy, yeah. greasy, you know, uh, corrupt, crime-ridden uh, area. And and Basket Case is actually one of the few movies that shows it like it really was. Uh, I mean, you know, there's they no... They couldn't afford pressure. not to. <laughs> they couldn't afford not to. Because <laughs> yeah. the picture, I think, was made for, what, like uh, $40,000. <laughs> Well, he claims at one point that the wad of cash that the kid pulls out of his pocket in the when he when he comes to the hotel the first time yep. that that was actually the film budget. <laughs> and that was I payroll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> payroll, that's a good one. <laughs> so, a basket case is a horror film and it's about um uh, you know separated Siamese twins and and so forth and it would be construed as a bloody a super violent exploitation uh, movie, and yet there there's something in in the uh, direction of the film, and, and something in the uh, depiction of Belial, the uh, the lump of flesh that is uh, cut from a uh, Dwayne, uh, and and yet somehow still is alive. Uh, that's almost kind of poignant. Um, uh, there there's something touching uh, about how deeply these two characters love each other um, uh, and yet are envious uh, of one another and, and yearn for what the other has. Um, they are literally split in two, like uh, our narrator and, and Tyler Durden. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, two sides of the same coin. Uh, in, in fact, even the, uh, the, the sexual impulse, sexual desire, which is the thing that, that kind of triggers Belial and, and makes Belial crazy because Belial could never have that, um, it is a, um, a big schism, a big driving uh, uh, force between them. He's really a kind of memorable monster. Uh, oh, very much so. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, it ain't leaving certain, me anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, at, at a certain point, um, when the, the monster uh, throws a tantrum in the uh, hotel room, it is actually stop motion, crude stop motion animation. Yeah. <laughs> it's great stuff. Uh, it, it's just sleazy, scuzzy New York, uh, uh, but somehow with a kind of twisted heart of gold to it. Yeah, it's funny you brought up the Waverly Theater because uh, this movie actually played there as a midnight movie for two years after its initial release. Like, it played there. That was like its regular weekly play. They had it playing there on, uh, for for two-year run. And the theater was full. People went to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I moved to New York in 2007, so I, I don't have a reference point to New York at this time. You know, I, I you know, I the first time I was in Manhattan, it was much nicer it was blade uh, runner but i i mean this is this is almost but you know i worked in property management in 100 year old buildings in manhattan for 5 years so i got to see a lot of walk ups i got to see a lot of classic architecture the interior of these buildings and it, this movie is almost in a way you know i'm there are lots of other films at the time of course but there's a lot of like kind of historical documentary style stuff and like tossed into this. like the whole sequence at the beginning when he's walking down the street and there's that long that long tracking shot of him as he's walking down with the basket initially that is just like it shows that for that 42nd street you know run of of peep shows and and stuff like that that is just completely lost and they, you'll, there's never coming back and you know whether good or bad listen you can argue till till obviously the dowsimo but there was a certain there's a certain memory of New York of that time, just like Jeff said. Uh, compare, um, uh, Steve, the depiction in, in the film with um, the HBO series 40 Deuce, which attempts to recreate uh, uh, 42nd Street. Um, uh, it, it doesn't even hold a candle um, uh, to, to the sheer grime, but, but also <laughs> th there's kind of an epic scope to, to 42nd Street. What that tracking shot showed you how vast it was, how large those theaters were. Right, um, right. And, um, and how intense those lights were. And uh, you can try and recreate it all you like, you know, HBO, but um, it, it, it's not going to come near it. Yeah, and what struck, the, the, one of the main things that struck me, and this is one of the things that always jumps out at me, is just uh, the, the level of just random trash that's laying around in the streets, on the sidewalks, and you—I mean, you listen. You go to Manhattan today, and you know you see you see you look, you're gonna look around. You're gonna you're gonna see trash. It's a city of eight million people. You're gonna nah, it's you gonna don't, happen. But it's you don't even nothing. Know. It's nothing like that. You know, I mean, it's it's nowhere near that level. And yeah, you're 100 percent correct. It's I don't nothing know. like that anymore. <laughs> it used to it used to really be that way. It, you, I remember at one point coming home from uh, Jacob Javits. And I think, um, I think uh, Valiant had done a show. There used to be a New York Comic Con, but it wasn't NYCC. It was a, it was a right, pre-read, right? Was, yeah, something. And I remember having, I ran across the street, um, whatever that street is. I think it's Forty Second Street. I ran across that street and had to get a running start. And I was what much much younger then, and I <laughs> cleared a massive pile of garbage that if I fell into it would have killed me. Now they would have just, and I just, and it had also, there was snow all over it. So I didn't see it was a pile of garbage until I cleared it. 
And when right. I cleared it and I skidded on the sidewalk and almost hit the, the building, but I stopped, this guy, there was, a, there was a, a guy maybe 20 feet away. He, start, he was clapping. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I thought you were a dead man, you know. And I was like, well, you could have told me it was garbage. He goes, Nah, I just wanted to see if he would make it. Did, I mean, did, it was. Did he hold up like a nine point? No, no, no. It was, it was, it wasn't that perfect. But it was. It, I mean, look, the city was. I am, I am actually astonished the way the city looks now because of how I just grew up with the city looking the way it looked in this right. movie, you know. Um, and it was even worse in the seventies, you know. And by the way, guys, the, uh, when you listen to the dialogue in this film, there is, there is an authenticity uh, to it just with regard to how angry everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> they're all yelling at each other at the top of their lungs. Um, uh, they're all annoyed with each other. There's this sneering, uh, this, this condescension um, as they interact with each other uh, that reads really New York. Early <laughs> yeah, I mean, beyond that point, uh, yeah, I have I have seen this film uh, a couple of times prior to this, so this is yeah, this is probably my third viewing. I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big horror kind of sort. Listen, it's very much of the era, and like you know uh, the quality and of the era of you know early '80s horror films. Uh, don't don't get me wrong, but I mean this is you know you're talking micro budget horror films, you know. But it, like Jeff said, that you know this film creates one of the one of the great all-time standalone monsters you know creatures this is you know it's there's nothing like you said there's not a whole lot else like this across the the years since then you know it's basically a a a bucket-shaped head with a couple of arms sticking out of it i mean really and I, there's just, there's not really anything else that's been done with it. I mean, and, and maybe on purpose. I mean, they did, they did Basket Case 2 and 3, um, which I have not seen. Uh, I've not spent the time with. They are but, totally incredibly different uh, right. from the first. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, even though directed by the same guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, Listen, this is this is one of those movies that I think fits uh, perfectly as a guilty pleasure, because this is one of those movies that I feel like um, that, you know, someone could could absolutely have a reason why they really enjoy this film and, or you know, hits it hit at just the right time. Uh, the other thing I found really interesting uh, about both these films, actually, uh, your film choices, Jeff, was so the the Rotten Tomatoes scores for this film are almost 30% different. There's a 30% difference in where they are. Uh, the critics score for this movie is a 77 for basket case for basket case. Wow. And the, uh, the viewers score is a 53. Um, so kind of a, a large disparity there. I mean, you know, considering and with fight club, it's the opposite. The, the critics, uh, score on fight club is 79 and the viewer score on it is 96. Wow. Yeah, people people love Fight Club. Yeah. It's go. a quality but, film. But yeah, so <laughs> I I'm I'm anxious to hear Latham and Hassan had either of you seen this before? Nope. No. Okay, that's <laughs> awesome. So Hassan, would you like to uh, avail Sorry, us of God. avail us of your opinion? <laughs> not really. I really would rather not. Um <laughs> uh it did I I I did get the nostalgia pangs of the old 
<laughs> Times Square, the, the Times Square you didn't want to hang out in. And it's weird because um, I got a couple of friends that I eat, I eat, I used to before the COVID thing, I used to eat dinner in Times Square with them every Tuesday. And so it's a, it's a, it's kind of a regular haunt of ours, but it's the new Times Square. And I had, I've, I've been there so often that I, until watching this movie, just forgot that, oh my God, yeah, that's, that place is like Disneyland compared to the way it used. I mean, I, when, after we're done eating, you know, everybody runs off and, and goes to the subway. And I, I usually walk all the way over to Madison to catch the bus, you know, just mm. walk through Times Square and, you know, walk across, you know, uh, what's his name, Park, and then, you know, over to, to Madison Avenue. No worries about, you know, anything, you know, any craziness or weirdness going on in the now times because it's not like the Times Square that I grew up with. In the where, way, way back. Yeah, where, where you know, you'd be walking with your friend and you'd look back and your friend would be gone, you know. You know? <laughs> it's a shame about Ricky. You know? I'm, I'm going home. Yeah, um, he, should, so, he shouldn't have straggled. Yeah, I'm always telling him, keep up with the pack. Stay in the eye line. Stay in the eye line. <laughs> it's a crazy movie. I think there, there, there are some things I did appreciate about it, even though it was a low-budget movie, how the cast... There was always someone new in the cast every time every time they had a, a an explosion of, of problems with room seven. And it was always room seven. Well, you know? right. And the and the and the property manager never seemed to piece that all together, you know, like <laughs> let's just get rid of this room seven guy and everything will go back to, to normal. Yeah, the guy the guy whose pants didn't seem to shut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the problem with that is I've been to places like that, you know. Of course. Especially when I was a kid playing music, you would end up playing music in somebody. There would there would be sound rooms uh, up and down Times Square where you would go to play music, and they would be no better than some of these really seedy hotels, or there would be brothels on like the the, the floor above you or whatever. It would, it would just be, it, you know. And you were like, "Oh, we're getting culture." It's you know, it's like, no, no, this. <laughs> We, this is not culture. This is just terrible. I'll soak up um, all I need. Thanks. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I will say, honestly, I, I was glad that guy, what's his name, got killed. The guy who broke into his room to steal his money. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, this guy who, to telegraphed that punch three scenes earlier, like he's yeah. been staring at that guy's money roll three scenes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, be subtle, Did dude. You see you that know? guy? He was loaded. God, <laughs> yeah, so loaded. you, you're loaded. <laughs> so, um, and and okay, the greatest thing about this movie okay. for me, the best thing, and uh, you know, this is somewhat of a racist statement. <laughs> the, the doctor in the beginning was on point right away. Something's wrong. You know, he doesn't do the typical white guy like, hmm, I, I heard some rustling in the bushes. So I'm going to go check it out. He's walking from his house to his car. He's like, who's there? <laughs> you know, and then when when he doesn't get a reaction, he's in his house on the phone with the cops seconds yeah. later. And it's actually up to the uh, up to the brothers to start ripping, you know, phone lines out and, and power lines out to keep the guy from calling for help. This guy was not playing around all right he didn't he had no like faulty situational awareness whatsoever it was not a movie trope yeah that, that guy was worried immediately uh, which leads you to believe uh his little surgery that took place 
in the guy's kitchen. You're right. Where they cut the dining the, room, where, yeah. Where they cut two kids in half. Probably isn't the only gorilla surgery that guy has done because he's looking over his shoulder very. Yeah, he, he's got very, some skeletons. Very, yes, consistently. Um, I would not have watched this movie. I'm not a horror buff. I'm not big on horror movies. I would not have watched this movie if it wasn't for what we're doing here. It's a crazy movie. It's it's short. Thankfully, it's not. It's not. I mean, I think I think it doesn't overstay its welcome. When they found when when they raided the kid's room and then. Uh, the kid came back and found his brother in the toilet. I almost had a heart attack. I thought that was the funniest thing. I... <laughs> um, and it's really fun. If yeah, it's, it ships. <laughs> <laughs> so I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. Um, <laughs> let me ask a question: Is it the same characters in Basket Case Two and Three? Is it the same kid and his brother, or is it different? No, it is. Uh, it's just they, they they somehow survive. Yeah, they survive that ending. Yeah. Okay, I, I, of and that and that's funny because I like the ending. The ending is very poetic. It's very it's you know they're laid out on the street in the same position in the right position mm-hmm. and everything. It tells the tale. The fact that he did come back and made uh, you know a two and three after the fact. It is what it is. But yeah, th- this that's film the in and of, of the itself, yes, and I I like the way they wrap everything up very nicely. <laughs> It's okay, so a great, sadness. great film, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a palpable sadness. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the whole thing is, but everybody's sad. Like, yeah. like you were saying about the yeah. people in the, in the, in the hotel, they're all like these, you know, <laughs> I mean, the woman who was following up the stairs to tell him little tidbits of history about, about the hotel when he was first going up the stairs to go to room seven. Yeah. And all the lady who used to live there and then half, it, like right in the middle of the stairs, she stops and turns around Goes and runs. Around. Yep. Yeah, to wait for the next person, assumably to to come up the stairs, so she could. It's uh, and then you know the guy who broke in there to steal his money. Like you're gonna, you see some guy with a bankroll like that. That that wasn't a lot of money, you know. There was a couple, maybe three, four hundred dollars in total that he had in fifties and twenties, right? Okay, yeah, give or take. Yeah, maybe a little more. So the fact that you're going to break into this guy's house and, and root around his home to, to, to steal that money, that just tells you where that guy's, you know, where the, where the people in that place. Because yeah. that's not even going to improve your situation, you know? <laughs> not, that's, not, not appreciably. You know? So, I mean, and then he got murdered for it. So you got killed over $200, right. you know? And then the guy in the, in the movie theater who stole the basket and then got well, yeah, ripped that, off in the yeah. bathroom. Yep. Me for you. <laughs> hey, you know, this movie is, is all about, you know, about, uh, you know, getting what you deserve uh, to an extent, you know, or, or it's a or, horror movie or be careful what you ask for. You know, I mean, what's in the basket? You steal the basket yeah. because you yeah. think it's it's valuable. It is just not to you. <laughs> what's funny about the film is I buy everything, including the Siamese twins. I buy everything except for the except for the, the, the doctor receptionist who decided she was going to take this guy out. You know, the minute she saw it, the minute she lays yeah. eyes on him, she's right. making eyes at him. This, this like, weirdo who shows up to a doctor's office with a big wicker basket, you know, and doesn't seem to know anything. Right. Brain is cute. Yeah, I guess. That's right. That's right. I guess so. Runs naked through the streets of the yes. city in the middle of yeah, the That guy's night. brave. Shot, <laughs> shot, on two, but, shot on two successive nights. And then, and then the crew would go out and clean a whole, clean and sweep a whole city block for him. And then they would, then the van, he would, he would jump out of a heated van 
and the camera guy would be set up on the next block and he would run up the block and get back in the van. Still wouldn't do it. I don't care how many times they scrub that street. There's, there's no way, guys. There's no way. Just I'll put my sneakers on. Film me from the from the knees up. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> there's no way I'm doing it. Hey, uh, Deirdre was just so excited to see full full male frontal nudity in a film. That I mean, she was just like, she was like, woohoo! Um, and I was at that point, you're like, wow, we get we get cock and no boobs. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And then we do finally get some boobs at the end. So yeah, uh, and then Fight Club. That's right. Just, to, that's just right. when she's Great. about to be murdered. <laughs> right. Uh, hum- humped and murdered by the, the bucket. Uh, um, Latham. Oh man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew this would be special. I, I, I just, I have a big problem. It's, it's 12, it's 1247, Steve, just so 11, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What If you're, if you're someone with a creative idea and got somehow a bunch of money together to make a movie i mean you know i'm waiting for something for me to identify that oh look that's what he that's the great idea he had and that's what he ran with and it took like 43 minutes to get to the creature trashing the hotel room and i laughed out loud because it was just the volume on his ah was just that, right. That's the only thing I was laughing at was you got the volume wrong here, or maybe you meant that on purpose or what. I don't know, but man, the pacing of this is just tedious up to that point. I mean, I get it, I get it. It's from '82, and this puppet, you know, I I get it. And the stop motion was interesting, but man, I mean, you just gotta you gotta do a better job, man. That how much did he spend on this film? Forty grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I'd be hard pressed to I mean, even think he spent that's that. Nineteen eighty-two dollars—that's a lot of money. And, it is. And it seems like there's guerrilla filmmaking in this. Like, there's a lot of go it. Go to the Statue of Liberty, and yep, was, shot without permits. Yeah, and that's you know, I I love that. That's great. I've done that, and and that's I think that's cool. I just did he write this too? Uh, no, I don't think so. Wow, someone else wrote that and gave it to him, and he's like. I gotta film this. No, he wrote and it. I've got just a, he wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. There's this there's this true vision. I mean, you know, I that's right. I just you know, I like a lot you know, I I like eighties kitschy horror movies that have silliness in them and I, I just I, I needed more creativity here and it just wasn't I just didn't see anything. I it just didn't didn't affect me and didn't I, I laughed maybe twice that scene and one near the end and uh, the effects weren't that spectacular to me. Obviously the acting's just atrocious. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I get why it's important to Jeff and, and why people consider it a classic horror film. And you know, that, like we always say, that's important to the people who find it to be important. I just, you know, I, it, it didn't resonate with me in any way. And, I, you know, I'll never watch it again and I won't, I won't <laughs> seek out the sequel. So uh, <laughs> until Jeff visits again, uh, and yeah, picks yeah, I mean, <laughs> <case too. laughs> that's Jeff's evil plan right now. He's 
<laughs> he's going to pick his next <laughs> feature as Basket Case 2, and then his guilty pleasure will be Basket Case 3, and then I'll stop <laughs> yeah. watching the entire trilogy. <laughs> and uh, that's probably what I deserve. So, um, <laughs> And uh, what did you say before I started talking? Something about uh, the movie is about what, Steve? About uh, you get what you deserve? Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. I mentioned yeah, that. You got to include and... the viewer in, in that statement. <laughs> but i understand why it's important to notate uh like jeff said you know wh when when these films come out and when you see them and what part of your life they're they're a part of that's really important to why things resonate with you and why they uh, you know stay prominent in your memory the thing i like about and, I, and maybe this is some of the one of the reasons i like horror films so much uh, good and bad is the fact that you know you know, and we and we've had this discussion on the show before about watching films in the context of when they were made and when they came out, as opposed to you know watching it with the eyes of you know even when again watching with seasoned eyes and watching it you know thirty forty years after the fact. The thing I like about most horror films, good and bad, is you never. I don't ever seem to get a sense. There's never a, mostly a sense of time. They just sort of exist in a in in their own bubble for the most part. You know, uh, there's never, a, you know, I can watch this movie now. And yes, I can appreciate how ridiculous it is. And I can appreciate the the level of filmmaking at the time and everything else. But and I and I, and I like the fact that it has documented a period of time uh, in New York City that, you know, I don't think gets kind of its due. But. I don't ever feel I don't ever get pulled out of a horror film because of stuff like that. The way I get pulled out of a out of a regular film out of a, or of a, a more mainstream film. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I like horror so much um, is just because there's less for me to there's less for me to have to to think about or less for me to have to. I shouldn't say have to. There's less for, that's going to. There's less that's going to bug me about watching it. I have, I have, a, I have a much wider allowance factor yeah. for that kind of stuff and just for stuff in general i expect bad dialogue i expect mediocre acting i expect questionable quality of of of, of shooting and 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 the actual the the editing and every all the actual production itself i i, I kind of go in with the idea that okay you know if i if i get a really quality film out of this and i'm not talking about like modern made horror films i'm talking about stuff from you know 70s 80s 90s and you, you go in and, you know, so it's like there are certain films that that come out and you watch them and they, and they hit, you know, here's a perfect example. I'm a big Friday the 13th fan, but when the Friday the 13th reboot came out, the thing I hated most about that movie is about the whole first 35, 40 minutes. Every time someone spoke felt off key. Other than Jared Padalecki, but, but like the whole group of quote unquote friends who were going up to that cabin for the weekend with the rich kid and you've got the girlfriend who's annoyed and the other bitchy girl who ends up sleeping with the boyfriend, all the all the tropey characters you'd expect. But the way they spoke to each other is like you're like nobody talks like that. That's that's some screenwriter's idea of how teens are talking today and nobody talks like that. And that drove that pulled me out of a movie like that far more than watching a movie like this. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I get into the second half of that movie 
I'm, I'm good. I'm golden. Half those people are dead already. And the other half are going to die gruesomely. And I'm good with that because that's what I want. So that's fine. But a movie like this, you go in and there is a, there is a level of, of humor that's injected because of just the sort of absolute level of ridiculousness that's associated with what you're, what you're looking at and what you're getting. I like that. I, I, I always have. I, you know, it's only grown over the years. I mean, dear, me, like I said, I've said before, Deirdre and I watch a lot of horror films, good, bad, and really bad. So, I mean, uh, yeah, that's Basket Case uh, in a um, nutshell. Uh, yeah. Just real quick, um, uh, it, the director, Frank Hannenlotter, uh, also did a couple of other horror movies, Brain Damage. That's right. About a parasite that sucks your brains. And um, <laughs> uh, Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. Oh, that's his, that's probably his best known after after Basket Case. Uh, correct. But I wanted to draw attention to his most recent uh, work, which is a documentary. Uh, uh, Hassan may have heard of this uh, about the comic book Boiled Angel. Um, uh, no. Boiled Angel is a uh, an independent comic book, uh, and in the only case of a comic book artist being arrested and imprisoned. Uh, for drawing a comic book, um, and uh, and Boiled Angel is a documentary about what happened to that and um, uh, uh, why why he was uh, imprisoned and um, what and, country and what the ramifications yeah. were. Mm-hmm. What country? My, my here. Diana, right here, here. In the United States. Yeah, in the Midwest. He was arrested here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mike, wow. Mike Diana, right? The trial the of Mike friend, Diana. The, the first person in the United States to be convicted of artistic obscenity. That's right. What year? Uh, um, it was the in documentary the documentary is 2018. No, the year he was arrested. In the, in the 80s, it was during the satanic panic uh, uh, okay. kind of situation and, and stuff like that. Wow. There was a lot of uh, that that sort of stuff in the in his. I'll have to look that one up. There were some yeah, other, you gotta see you know, that. That'll uh, anger me. Graphic uh, <laughs> sexual uh, depictions, but it was. It actually was one of the very first cases of the comic book legal defense fund. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. okay. And, I never uh, even heard of this. Wow, he was convicted. Oh, and that's yeah. on uh, Amazon uh, Prime. Not to oh, oh, nice. Okay, good. Oh, Easy. Oh, I'm going to watch that tomorrow. That sounds great. <laughs> very good. Watch that when we hang up. <laughs> and so that takes us down the tubes. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. We have posters for Basket Case. Ah. <laughs> uh, and spoiler alert, uh, I don't think I, uh, I don't think I even found one fan art poster for Basket yeah, Case. Found so this one. Is a, I, did I get one? Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did. Um, so this is the, uh, this is the post, this is the poster. Everybody knows this is the original U S release poster. You know, the tenant in room seven is very small, very twisted and very mad. You know, you know, it, it, it all, a movie it, away though. Cause I mean, they keep the brother uh, hidden for quite a few scenes yeah, until and they, they played, they played the shaking basket trick about seven times up until that point. <laughs> I love when he's <laughs> dropping the hamburgers in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then the yeah, buns would down. come flying out. Yeah. <laughs> slow down. There's plenty. It's <laughs> just so great. And so next is a UK quad with uh, a new piece of artwork, but uh, a taste of old New York. 
Yeah. Nice. I love I love the I love the marquee with let's scare Jessica to death on it. Yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's a that's a good poster. Did you guys notice in the background of uh Fight Club at that sequence towards the end when Edward Norton is trying to get Marla on the bus to get rid of her? Yeah. In the background there's a theater marquee. Did you guys see what movie it was showing? What, seven? Seven years in Tibet. That's funny. That's a much. But there was that. The second T was missing. Seven years in Tibet. That's that's (laughs) funny. That's a Brad Pitt joke, obviously. Yeah. Uh, So next is the French basket case poster. Fred the song. It's French. (laughs) Yeah. The basket case, as if there's only one of these. God, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of these. Another one that gives away the game. Time to get the shotgun out. <laughs> he said that one of the, one of his inspirations for making this film was uh, was it's alive. Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen it's alive, <laughs> that's another road we're going to travel down one Stop day. Stop giving Jeff oh, ideas yeah. for future shows. <laughs> um, so so next is the is the v i picked i there i was obviously very limited on my choices of of production posters for this but um i put the the vhs release poster in because it, one of the key things about the marketing for this movie uh, and it was really after the fact so there's a pull quote from rex reed uh on this poster yeah. which is very which is very well known <laughs> uh which is in his review he called it the sickest movie i've ever seen which i mean are you kidding me? You can't you can't pay someone to write a line like that in a review and pull that for your poster. I mean, uh, obviously he hasn't hold seen on, there, there's a, a pretty funny story there. Okay, uh, uh, Rex Reed um, had heard about the movie. He he didn't attend uh, uh, any preview screening. He had heard about it and figured, oh, this is crazy. I, I have to see it to believe it. Um, he he went to the screening and. And, and the director was uh, went along into the theater. He had heard he was going to be there. Uh, and when Reed walked out, uh, Hunnenlotter said, well, what did you think? And Reed said, I thought it was the sickest movie I'd ever seen. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. That's, <laughs> even, that's even better. Directly to, the, to, to him. And he, um, he used it in the poster. Yeah. Reed got angry uh, about it. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> said it, man. <laughs> He had been co-opted, uh, but but ultimately he was charmed by uh, Hannenlotter and and said, "All right, all right, go ahead." Right, that's great. <laughs> that's that's excellent. Uh, so so next is the uh, this is from a DVD release from a few years ago. Uh, correct. The um, uh, actually, what's interesting about that that release, the Blu-ray at least, is is that the, the movie had always been uh, uh, badly uh, uh, colorized when it was uh, transferred to to DVD. Uh, it looked better on VHS in in, in some cases, um, and and so they uh, corrected. They did the color correction on the latest version of the uh, of the Blu-ray. On the on the Blu-ray of Basket Case, <laughs> <The Blu-ray. laughs> think think about that statement, Lang. <laughs> we, we love our movies. Um, I, I like this poster because of the uh, t- total obnoxiousness. Uh, uh, yes. To it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, it is another last, dead yeah, giveaway. I, that's though, right. But... I found the uh, I found the Alex Pardee uh, piece he did. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Alex Pardee, who did all that uh, all that promotional artwork for uh, Sucker Punch. Oh, there you go. Wow. Oh. Oh, okay. But the, um... Alex Alex's uh, basket case is a lot more horrendous looking than the actual. Yeah, I don't know, dude. That that thing's pretty awful. <laughs> and I think I think because it doesn't have like like all like a mouthful of sharp teeth, like it's got this mouthful of like like singular teeth all spread out from each other, and it just and that noise it makes, it's which is always ah. just like that that overdriven. <laughs> it's just overdubbed. I mean, yeah, it's either that, I that, doubt it was intentionally funny. I think they just, I mean. The empirical evidence shows that 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 they got lucky with that because that I mean that's funny, but I don't think it's on purpose. And all all that all the vocalizations of Belial were done by uh, the actor who played Dwayne. Dwayne, there you go. Yeah. Yes, see, like, uh, well, and some of the some of the scenes of the arm by like the arm coming out and changing the channel on the TV before it broke the knob. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was actually the director's arm. Okay, but well. in in some of the other shots, it was actually the uh, one of the producer's daughter, eight year old daughter, uh, <laughs> running the arms because she had small arms and could get both of her arms in the inside the head puppet. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the end of our posters. Well, Jeff, uh, thanks. This has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you, guys. Um, uh, uh, I love the podcast. I listen to uh, every episode, so I'm still catching wow. up with thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate um, that. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And um, uh, maybe one day I'll, I'll come on back and torture you some more. Please Absolutely. Do, please. We, we would love to have you. Please do. All right. So thanks to Jeff. Thank you very much. Thanks to Purple Planet Music. Get your own awesome music at purple-planet.com. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts, or you can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend, mentor, and horse trainer, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Boing. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.